applause for Alid. Okay, great, fantastic. Well, if you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to the book of Galatians? We're just going to get straight in there. I hope you're doing well. I've, um, I've, over the past couple of months, have been really studying the book of Galatians. I haven't been able to really move past it. I've probably read it, listened to it about 30, 40, 50 times. And uh, the one thing that's probably stood out to me more than anything else having read through the book of Galatians, is my desperate need for God in the person of the Holy Spirit. My desperate need for the Holy Spirit. Oh, how I need Him. Oh, how we need the Holy Spirit. And surely it's not just enough to know that I need it. It must surely have an effect on my life. It must surely have an effect on our lives. It's the difference, I guess, between knowing that chocolate tastes good and actually putting a piece in your mouth and saying, wow, that, that is, tastes really good. It would be a real tragedy, I think, if as Christians, knowledge of God started and ended with our heads. <laughs> Relationship with God is not just one of knowledge in the truth, but in experiencing the reality of it. Um, So to know that God is love is great, but to experience the love of God is like something else. I I remember about 13, 14 years ago, um, I lived with a couple of friends of mine, Brian and uh, Skolt, and I remember one evening I was was in my room and uh, there was um, a song... Um, I've heard so many songs. It's the um, Father's Melody singing over me. Um, And I just remember feeling the love of God. Not just knowing it, but feeling the love of God over me. And I was completely undone. I was just crying. I was weeping in my room. It wouldn't have mattered who walked in on me at that moment. I didn't care. I was just completely undone by the experience of God's love. It wasn't just a knowing in my head, but there was something of an understanding in my heart. You could say when you're going through trials and difficulties, the the Bible says in Philippians that the Holy Spirit can give us a peace beyond understanding, which is great, but it's no good if it just ends at words, is it? Actually, for the Christian, we expect the Holy Spirit to act on that promise, to impart a peace. It's experiential. The Christian faith is based on a living word. It's based on a living word. Active, one that actually lives itself out in our lives in a very life-changing and experiential way. But that can only happen, it can only happen by the person of the Holy Spirit. Oh, how we need the Holy Spirit. We need him. And so this, is, this has kind of been my conclusion from reading Galatians all these times. It's this, and it will come up behind me. The God who lives inside us is better than the God who walked beside us. Now let me say it again, and then I'll explain what I mean. The God who lives inside us is better than just the God who walks alongside us. In other words, if you wish that you lived in the days of Jesus, if you lived that the measure of what you got in God was just to see what Jesus did and experience what he said, 
then I think you've grossly misunderstood the gift of the Holy Spirit. I think you've misunderstood how Jesus can say to those people who did follow and hear him for years, he can say to them, it's such a good thing that I go. Why? Because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, because another is going to come. You see, no longer a God who will just walk alongside us, but a God who will come and dwell inside of you. It's a complete game changer. Oh, how we need the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. Nothing happens without him. Nothing at all. Take the Holy Spirit out of the equation and there is no salvation, folks. There is no indwelling of the believer. There is no empowerment for mission. There is no changing to become more and more like Jesus. It's impossible, do you know, to worship God without the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we worship in spirit and in truth. It's impossible to, to see the ways of God. Why? It's because the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. Without a dependency on a Holy Spirit, we have nothing. The Holy Spirit is the very source of the Christian life. No Holy Spirit, no Christian. And so what I want to do today, I just want to present from kind of my study in Galatians some reasons why we are and therefore should be living as a people of the Spirit. And then in about 20 minutes or so, we're going to worship and we're going to welcome the Holy Spirit to come and do a work amongst us. That's what we're going to do. We're going to give good time to resting in his presence and experiencing the love of God in new, fresh, and tangible ways. So these are just a few things I've kind of picked up looking through uh, Galatians. And the first is this. Did you know that you're saved by the Spirit? Do you know that you're saved by the Spirit? So Galatians 1 verse 11 says this. For I would have you know, brothers... So this is the Apostle Paul talking, he's writing to a group of churches in Galatia. I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. He goes on, Galatians 1 verse 15. But when he who had set me apart before I was born... And who called me by his grace was pleased to what? To reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Listen, we do not initiate our salvation by believing. God initiated your salvation by revealing. It's a massive difference. It all starts with him. Romans 8 verse 14, all who are led by the Spirit are children, are sons of God. In other words, no one can say, Jesus is the Lord of my life without the Holy Spirit in your life. It all starts with him. We're saved by the Holy Spirit. John Piper says, uh, said this. He said it in 1984, which is the year I was born. That makes some of you feel old. Or young. I sometimes fear that we have so redefined conversion in terms of human decision and so removed our necessity of the experience of God's Spirit 
that many people think they are saved when in fact they only have Christian ideas in their head and no spiritual power in their heart. Wow. No Holy Spirit, just some nice Christian ideas. He goes on. Every human heart everywhere in the world is in such a rebellious spiritual condition that it cannot submit to the lordship of Jesus And the only remedy is the triumphant work of the Holy Spirit to change that rebellion and turn it into submission to Christ. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Father, he chose you before the creation of the world, if you know him. Jesus, he went obedient to the Father's will. He died on a cross and took the penalty for all of your sin, past sin, present sin, future sin, if you've put your faith in him, Jesus has paid it all. But let me tell you, the Holy Spirit, he raised Christ from the dead. The Holy Spirit revealed Christ to you. He opened up your blind eyes. He's taken out of a heart of stone and has given you a heart of flesh. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in you because of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? Do do you believe that? Are you convinced that had it not been for a work of the Holy Spirit, you would be completely and utterly spiritually dead? If it was not what for a work of the Holy Spirit, you could not choose Jesus. Not on a month of Sundays. In Sunday school, followed by the best roast dinners, would you have ever, ever chosen Jesus? He chose you. He revealed himself to you. You've been saved by the work of the Holy Spirit. That's where it all begins. We must not forget that it started with him. We must not forget that had it not been for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we would be completely spiritually dead, cut off, separated from the works of God. Starts with the work of the Holy Spirit. And then it all gets a bit crazy. (laughs) So in Galatians, I I, I keep reading, I keep looking through it, and then it says, not only does the Holy Spirit reveal Christ to us, but it says that when we put our faith in him, he comes and he dwells inside of us. So he's not only the God who reveals, but he's he's the God who comes and resides inside of you. This is why Jesus could say, it's so good that I go. This is why. Because it's no longer God's presence in one place, at one time, it's actually the presence of God wherever you go because he's with you. It says this in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself me. Hallelujah. Christ alive in me. Galatians 4 verse 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. Why? To redeem you and me, those under the law, so that you may receive adoption of sons. And because you're a son, because you're a daughter, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but you're a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. That's God's promise. Not only will he reveal himself to you, but he will come and he will dwell in your heart 
you have God right here if you know Jesus. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit. But you've got to understand, guys, this changes everything. It changes everything. To receive forgiveness for our sins, to be justified before God is absolutely amazing. To be sanctified, to become more and more in the likeness of Jesus, that's incredible. But you've got to understand, God could have done both of those things from a distance. I, I, I forgive. I can pay. Do you know Adoption. To actually bring you into his family. To say that you're going to be my son, my daughter. Let me tell you, that is the pinnacle of the gospel message. Not only redeemed, not only forgiven, but adopted and brought into his family I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit, and that Spirit's going to testify to your spirit that you are a child of the living God. That's outrageous. Wonder of all wonders, that same Spirit who empowered Jesus' earthly life and sacrificial death now has been given to you and me today. He not only works on us and through us, but he dwells in us and testifies that you are a son of God. I'm trying to convince you that you really need the Holy Spirit. Galatians 3.26, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Well, what does that mean? It means you've now got access. So in a little while, when we start saying, Jesus, we, we've just got Holy Spirit, we, we're desperate for more of a measure of your goodness. Do you know it's because you're a child of God, you have full access to come right in. And you can ask that, And God isn't going to turn you away. He delights. He loves it when you come and ask. He says, ask and you will receive. That's why we can do it. It's because you have access. You have an inheritance. You now have authority. Why? Because you carry God's name. You're his son. You now have a purpose. You now have a home. You get given a whole new identity. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has come and rebirthed something in your heart. We're not called to do Christian life solo. We've been invited to partner with him in his plans and in his purposes. I don't don't even ever thought about this. The Holy Spirit, right? We see this in the disciples in the beginning of Acts. The Holy Spirit is so important, all right? So important is the Holy Spirit to our Christian lives that God is even willing to put his whole mission to the world aside to wait for the day of Pentecost. Have Have you ever thought about that? But there's so many people, there's so many things, there's so many needs. And God says, don't say a word, don't tell anyone, don't do anything until you receive the Holy Spirit. That's that's how important the Holy Spirit is for our Christian lives. Why? Because he's going to equip you. He's going to equip you. He's going to give you the words to say. He's going to empower you with his gifts. He's going to help you endure the trials. Again, Piper said this. The very power of God himself has come to make himself at home in some very real degree to increasing effect in us. We are now his temple, both individually and collectively. I know, I don't know whether you're excited about the hunger season or not. I'm really excited. Regardless of how excited you are, I know that God is more excited. He is so much more excited when his kids come together. I have the privilege of having three kids. And they love it when I come home. So I, dare I say, I love it when I walk in the door and they run up to me. I, it delights my heart. 
this season when we cry out, Abba, Father, he loves it when we come to him, when we call on his name. So we have the Holy Spirit. He reveals himself to us. And then we have him that comes and unites with us. He dwells with us. But then something hit me in chapter 5. So I got through to chapter 5, and in verse 25 it says this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. All right, notice that's two different things, right? So if you live by the Spirit, you have him here, also keep in step with the Spirit, okay? So here's an instruction, right? It's an active verb for us to do something more than just be in Christ, all right? So keeping in step with the Spirit. Now, let me just explain. For those that don't know Galatians very well, the context of this letter, Paul is writing it to a church because he's got some real concerns. And here are some of his concerns. He shares with them the gospel of Christ. He goes away and some false teachers come in and they say that actually it's not just Christ. You need to take on, you need to put on some of the old stuff from the law. In fact, it would do you really good if you even got circumcised, just like the Jewish people did, because that will keep you in good standing with God. Adding small print to what was never part of God's plan. False teachers coming in and preaching a different gospel, Paul says. Not that there is another one. And this is why he's so angry. Because he used some really pretty strong rebukes. He says things like, you foolish Galatians. Who's bewitched you? I am perplexed about you. This is why he's so angry. He says this, Galatians 3 verse 2. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh, by the things that you can do? Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. We hear that passage a lot. Do you know the context is, don't go back to trying to do things yourself when the very starting point you know that it's only because of what Jesus did that you could come in in the first place. Galatians 5 verse 6, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision or uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith through love. In other words, you've forgotten point one. It has nothing to do with whether you have a foreskin or not. In fact, in chapter 5.12, I think he was, he even suggests that the false teachers just chop it off completely. It makes no difference. It's all about faith in him. All right? So let me put Paul's argument this way for us today, because right? I think this is where it's relevant for us. If you could only receive life, spiritual life by the Holy Spirit, what makes you think you could live life without him? Or put it this way, what makes us think that anything else we'll do could make our need for him any less? We are desperately in need of the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying that God's power at work in you is the only thing that matters, not your efforts, not your customs, not your busy diaries, not even your history or your surgical procedures. He says, if they did, it would mean that Christ's work amounts to nothing. But Christ's work doesn't amount to nothing, does it? It's everything because we know that our diaries and our traditions and our highest efforts, they're, they're like, they're nothing 
I wonder whether for some of us we don't rely on, don't depend on, don't put our weight on the person of the Holy Spirit as much as we need to. We just keep busy with our modern equivalents of efforts and customs and surgical procedures. But they don't ever empower us for mission. They don't make us more patient in our parenting. They don't make us more loving in our relationships. They don't make us more honoring in our conversations or give us compassion for the poor and the marginalized. Only the Holy Spirit does that. Only the Spirit can do that. I've got this great quote from J.D. Greer. He says this. He says, Many Christians believe in the Holy Spirit, but they relate to him the same way they relate to their pituitary gland. Grateful it's in there. Know it's essential for something, but don't pay much attention to it. <laughs> Love it. Hey, listen, we need to take note, we need to take more action, we need to be more intentional because we are so dependent on the Holy Spirit. And not just once, not just twice, I need the Holy Spirit every single day. I need him every single day. In uh, Ephesians 5, the same author, Paul, he, he writes to a church in, uh, in Ephesus and he says, don't get drunk on wine, but get filled with the Holy Spirit. How, how do you get drunk on wine? You drink a lot. So Paul's not just rebuking those that drink wine. What he's saying is, look, take a lesson from those who drink. You've got a drink of the Holy Spirit. You need to drink a lot. Get drunk. Get your fill of the Holy Spirit. And Paul outlines some very practical outworkings of what being in the Spirit will turn into, what fruit will come about. So here's just a few that I picked out. Maybe you're here today and you think that you're just really fighting with temptations of the flesh, of sin. Man, I, just, I wish I could just deal with that issue in my life. Well, God's got a solution for that. It's the Holy Spirit. He says, but I say, this is Galatians 5.16, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. He goes on to say, because the ways of the Spirit are against the ways of the flesh. You're no, you're no longer a slave to those anymore. You now adopt a new nature. How, maybe you just want to become more like Christ and have more fruit in your life. Well, later on, he goes on about that. He says, actually, the, there's, there's, uh, there's an answer for that. It's more the Spirit. He says, the fruits of the Spirit. Now, we, many of us know the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Galatians 5 verse 22. These are the fruits when you abide in the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter what you put in the gap. I want this. I, I really need this. God says, I've got an answer for that one. It's more the Holy Spirit. It's more the Holy Spirit. That, honestly, that is the answer. You need more of the Holy Spirit. I find it really interesting in Luke's gospel, the disciples say to Jesus, can you help us how to pray? So he goes through the Lord's Prayer. Now what's interesting is after that, this is what he says. He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give what? Give the Holy Spirit. There's the answer to those who ask him. Oh, Father, give us today our daily bread. I'm faithful. 
give you my Holy Spirit. God, forgive me my sins. Help me in my weaknesses. What a great prayer. Have my Holy Spirit. That's God's answer. There's God's solution, plain and simple. But life, life is just so busy. It's so difficult. You need the Holy Spirit. Works pressure is so tough. You need the Holy Spirit. I feel so sick. You need the Holy Spirit. I have no idea what to do next. You need the Holy Spirit. I'm struggling in my marriage. You need the Holy Spirit. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. God, you need the Holy Spirit. God, I get so angry all the time. You need the Holy Spirit. That's what you need. And listen, you may need other people. Like we're, we're, we're family, and that's amazing. You, you may even need to go over the doctors over the road and get their advice. They're absolutely brilliant. You may need to put in a bit of a debt plan and just work on your finances. That's great. Just don't do all those things and forget the source of all provision. It's the Holy Spirit. We start and we say, God, I need you in this. I need you. Don't forget to put your hope in him, your dependency on him who revealed himself, who's taken up residency in your heart. A Christian without power is a Christian who needs a baptism in the Holy Spirit. We've got to walk in step with him. I hope I've convinced you because we're going to pray in a moment. Why don't the band just start to come up just while I finish up with a few things. I just, I just wanted to just finish with, I guess, answering the question, how do we actually keep in step with the Spirit? Because it's all well, and, all well and good me saying that, but what does it actually look like? Or maybe, and this is what I'm going to do, I'm actually going to say more helpfully, how do we quench what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives? Because do you know that God loves you so much and he has such a desire to work in your life? Often I find for me, it's often the things that I put in the way of that. It's not that God has a lack of desire to do it. It's often that I'm not focusing on him in the right way. So here's just a few things. We quench the Holy Spirit's work in our lives when we don't ask for it. When we don't ask him. Where God promises in his word that if we ask, we will receive. If you haven't received in a long time, chances are you haven't asked in a long time. Because the promise in the word is that ask, ask, and you'll receive. Ask of me and I'll give you waters that overflow. Here's another one. We quench the works of the Holy Spirit when we rely too much on our own resources for life and not on the Holy Spirit. Has the Holy Spirit been moved from center place in your life? Here's another one. How do we quench what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in us? We get cynical about what he's already doing in other people. Because sometimes God does things in ways which maybe we wouldn't do. and We get cynical about it. We, we actually harbor a heart of unbelief. How about this one? We quench the works of the Holy Spirit when we don't use the gifts that he's given us. Some of us in here, I think we've just got so many gifts that God has given us and they've just laid dormant for a long time. You can, you can think back months, years ago, we think, man, I was really, I was operating in that gift that he gave me and I just, I've just let it lay aside. I've just forgotten about it. How about this one? We quench the Holy Spirit's works when we don't allow space for him to move and speak to us. So, 
No relationship is fun if it's one way. If all you do is talk, we've got to allow time. We've got to allow space to just say, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to say to me? And here's the last one, and this is one that I just, I've been praying this week that God's going to release something in us even as a church. We suppress the, legit, the legitimate experience of heartfelt emotions and affections in worship. Let me say that one again. We quench the Holy Spirit's work in our lives when we suppress the legitimate experience of heartfelt emotions and affections in worship. Some of you, you used to laugh a lot and now you suppress it because of fear of other people around you because you think you just don't want to disturb a meeting. Let me tell you, we need to hear your laughs. We need to hear the cries. We, what we do is we actually quench what the Holy Spirit is doing is in our lives when we say, actually, I'm going to try and push that joy aside because it's not very British. Actually, God wants to do something in our hearts. He wants to do something even through this season of 43 days where we say, man, the, uh, the overflow of my heart, the Holy Spirit who's in here, I can't help but just say, God, you're the Lord of my life. I feel like we're going to hear a lot more laughing. Some of you, just stop yourself from expressing your God-given heartfelt emotions. You need to allow yourself to laugh again, cry again, dance again, feel again. Psalm 42, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul, it thirsts for you, for the living God. Let's stand together. So this is what we're going to do. We've got plenty of time, which is great. We're going to sing a song. But this song gives you an opportunity to just open up your heart to God. Now, this isn't the start of something. We've been worshiping God all morning. God's been working us. His presence has been here. God, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, he's been moving with us, talking to us all morning. But what we're going to do now in this next 20, 30 minutes, I don't know, we're just going to be intentional. We're saying, Holy Spirit, come, fill me again. Fall afresh on me. Undo me again with your love. Speak to me again, your heart for me. And we're going to allow space to do it. And then maybe once we've sang a song, I might even invite us just to do something active. We might even come forward. It just helps with us laying on our hands. And there'll be some people here that have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You won't even know what that is. But if you're a Christian, today is your day. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to say, Holy Spirit, come, fill, renew, revive, empower. Guys, we are desperate for a work of the Holy Spirit. We're so dependent on Him in our lives. So here's just a few promises before we sing. When we give space to listen, God's promises that he'll speak to us. Jesus says, my sheep, they hear my voice. When we cry out in prayer, he hears your prayers. 1 Peter 3 says, his eyes are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. Today, when you cry out to him with your needs, God loves it and he hears it. He's attentive to you. When we ask him to fill us again, his promise in the word, he'll fill you to overflowing. 
It says in Joel, I'll pour out my spirit in all flesh. That's you and me. We're living in the days where we just have to ask God, come, fill me again. And his promise is that he'll fill you to overflowing. Come all who are weary, the burdened, who are thirsty, who need rest, who are brokenhearted, who are hurting, who are lonely. Come, bask, rest, drink, be satisfied in the depths of my presence, in my love and my grace. Let's just sing a song of worship to him. And then we're just going to see what he wants to say and do to us this morning.